Hello everyone and welcome back to the Extempers Bible Podcast. We're doing a very special episode today as we're interviewing a two-time champion. But before we begin, I want to introduce you guys to Vasu, the second of our new co-hosts. Nice to meet everyone. My name is Vasudev Lakshmanin, Vasu for short, and I'm a junior at the Massachusetts Academy of Math and Science at WPI. I compete in varsity extemporaneous speaking and varsity public forum debate as a member of Shrewsbury High School's speech and debate team. That's pretty much it. I'm looking forward to a great extemp season this year. Great. And we also have Ishal here with us today. She is a champion of the Bronx or New York Invitational and Princeton. Could you please let us know a little bit about yourself? Hi, my name is Ishal Ubaid. I go to Stuyvesant High School in New York City, and I am a current senior. And um, I know you also told me before in a podcast that you've dabbled in OO, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, I was wondering, how did you get started with extemp speaking? Why this event in particular? Um, so I started by total accident. I'm going to be totally transparent there. Uh, my school has a system where you rank the categories of speech and debate you want to join. And we don't really have like a cuts kind of tryout. We have something that's more like they give you prompts to speak about and you speak and the captains kind of fight over what event you would fit best into. So it's really funny. Um, but I ranked actually public forum first, which is hilarious. I did not do, yeah, I did not do speech and debate in high school. I sorry, in middle school whatsoever. I had no idea. So when I got selected, I was like, what is an extemp? Uh, and I still remember I was trying to Wikipedia it. So it was, it was great. And honestly, I almost quit my freshman year because it was all Zoom. I was the worst ranker on my team and it was like, it was really bad, but I kept going. I don't know what exactly made me do that, but I felt like I had to, and I'm glad I did uh, because, well, clearly. So did you ever end up actually doing public forum or just avoided that bullet? Oh, I didn't actually do public forum. So I ranked it, but I didn't get placed into there. So I think, yeah, so I ranked like public forum, LD, and then I think policy, which is kind of crazy, but, um, and then I got placed into extemp because my captain was like, that's, um, that's an extemper right there. Yeah, for sure. I think virtual practice kind of zaps that energy, and the best part of being in person is, you know, having, like, team and people to actually support you. Yeah, I would agree. Well, I'm sure, or at least hope, that there were people who were there to support you, so, do you have any exam crushes or role models you perhaps look up to in the circuit? It can be past or present. Oh my goodness. Okay. Um, so I have two. So my first would be my coach, Dico. And there's a there's a backstory here. So I didn't have a coach when I started. So when I first started at Stuyvesant High School, uh, the team was like eight people, you know? Actually, it was more like six. And... Um, he ended up coming in our sophomore year, and he had been the captain of the team 20 years beforehand. So, and I basically owe everything to him. Like, he made geopolitics fun. He, like, and it's, like, I feel like whenever I'm working with him on XTEMP, it doesn't feel like it's work. It just, it feels like I'm having a really good time, and I'm, like, conversing, and I'm, like, as he says, like, exercising my brain, but super wholesome person and it's just I think skills you can learn by a practice but there's something about like team spirit and just like genuinely enjoying the the event uh that I got from him so absolutely him and then there's the obvious there is McKinley Paltzik um so 
I was, um, yeah, she doesn't know my name. It's okay. But, um, so I, because I was online my freshman year, I didn't go to invitationals and I was like a brand new sophomore and I was just starting to do kind of well at the end of the year. So I didn't really go to nationals or anything like that. Then my junior year, we got sent to Yale and that was the first time I had kind of seen a new upper limit of XDEMP, if that makes sense. And I think I, I, starry-eyed the second like she started speaking I'm like wow it was so great and what I really liked was how I'd been watching like NSDA speeches like the ones on YouTube and stuff and they they seem to follow like a particular format all very talented people of course but there was something about McKinley's speeches that was like like I remember her hooks and engines being about like pop culture and I'm just like I love that you know that's like a new thing for me to experience so definitely her Again, she doesn't know my name, but it's okay. <laughs> Aw, that's so sweet. It's so nice to see that you have a coach who you can be so familiar with. And I think that's so important because you need someone who can basically be on your team. And I think a lot of times on the circuit, we see um, you know, mentors or coaches who are like twice your age, and it can kind of create the disconnect. For sure. Um we, taught, we tend to joke that Deco doesn't age, like he looks the exact same as he did like 20 years ago, which is, yeah. Um, but he actually, he's like dedicated his whole life to speech and debate, which is like, wow. Um, he did found the Brooklyn Debate League, which is this, it's this nonprofit that the whole mission is to bring like speech and debate to underprivileged speech kids and debaters. And, you know, I, I started interning for them because like Deco kind of introduced me uh to the nonprofit, and also i think just interacting with like middle schoolers all the time it kept him very in touch I- i'm just really grateful that i met him like i tend to refer to him as the adult who changed my life like single-handedly so Wait, that's I- actually yeah. so wholesome yeah. <laughs> uh, i'm so that's so nice to hear <laughs> yeah that's amazing um on the note of mckinley i was wondering if you happen to realize like after seeing your extemporal model perform even in person which is an opportunity that I really wish I had for many of my extemporal models. Did you notice to see how those speakers got to get integrated within your voice and your extemp speeches themselves? Absolutely. I think, so first off, I have to preface this by, once again, the fact that I live in New York and so I compete on like the New York circuit. And I think there is a little bit of a divide with like, New York doesn't really have that many NSDA tournaments and our like speech and debate scene it's pretty good but there are certain things that I, I feel like they're more concentrated in the south so being able to see those speakers it introduced me to like totally new ways of speaking you know aside from like the same like five six schools um who are also very talented by the way but i think the first way <laughs> this is actually kind of funny the first way i saw those speakers implemented into my voice was the or rather <laughs> so previously i had learned i'm like you can't stumble you can't if you stumble just keep going you know and there's something so refreshing about having like these people in vinyls like there was like a stumble or two and then they just you know take it like so beautifully and just be like or rather you know just like acknowledging like yeah something happened but that doesn't take away from how amazing the speech was um yeah i i'm sure there are more specific examples but it was mostly a motivator for me like, I tend to think of Yale as, like, the turning point. Like, it, it just changed my brain chemistry. I don't understand it, but it happens. Yeah, yeah, definitely you make a really great point. I think 
you know, extemp is a lot about developing your own sense of style, how you're going to respond. And I think watching other people is a great way to do that because your competitors can often be your best learning resource. Yeah, like personal style, that was such a big thing because I noticed I'm like, wow, it's like each of these speech, you know, maybe similar topics, similar approaches, but it was like the way everyone was speaking made it like their personality so clear. It's just like I could almost see like, you know, what they were passionate about, like what they were like in real life. And that was just this. Yeah, my teammates make fun of me or, or they made fun of me because I have like this reporter voice whenever I spoke. Um, and I think I started trying to break out of that after watching those people. And it's also changed the way um, that I've kind of taught other teammates. So I'm the captain of my team and I have been since my junior year. And it kind of changed the way that I would like to train them. I'm still working on models, but I really want them to see like it's their speech it's their style to bring that out so it's good to watch other speeches but it's like ultimately if there's something that makes your speaking like your voice then just use it you know we can capitalize on it we can tweak it you know yeah that's phenomenal i think one of the beauties of extemp actually is that idea of having your own personalization like you mentioned with mckinley her statement of or rather is now iconic on the circuit and it's renowned for that but i also remember how one of my extemp models um daniel kind when I watched his NCFL speech, he had given a really nice statement of significance. And at the end of the speech, he said, at the end of these seven minutes, this many people had died. And that was the first ever time I saw that. But I noticed how that's something so unique to him and others on the circuit that he kind of gave birth to it once more. And then other people started to pick that up. And it truly became part of extent culture on the national circuit and on local circuits as well. So that's really cool. That is such a powerful move. Oh my goodness. I I think I've done like a similar thing once or twice, but definitely not to that like that. Wow. Just imagining it. I'm like goosebumps. I know his pathos and was incredible. On the topic, you kind of hinted toward this earlier. We were wondering how many circuits or rather districts there are on the New York circuit. You know, I got to be transparent here when it comes to like actual speech lingo, like, you know, reciprocals, like the districts and stuff I'm not that well versed um I because I just kind of stumbled into this event and so I can kind of say um qualitatively that I think it tends to get split up by borough so first off we're very elitist here in New York we always think our boroughs are better than the others like I live in Queens and I'm like yeah why would you ever live in Manhattan you know but um there are a couple leagues I've heard of like there's definitely the Brooklyn Debate League which is like it's very online based there's the uh, Brooklyn Queens League. My league, the one I do, the one I um, compete on, it consists of a bunch of Manhattan schools. So that includes like Regis High School, Zavarian, Convent of the Sacred Heart, some schools from like upstate as well. Um, and occasionally, so we have things like Interleague and um, Chaminade, which is coming up in January, where you can actually compete with people from like a wider variety of boroughs. Um, and as for the speech scene, I would say it is pretty big. I think our interp scene is really awesome. Like, I've seen some amazing interpers. And as for extemp, I would say that I think, especially compared to, like, you know, obviously, like, Florida, Texas, it's, like, not as, like, popular. But I think it is still very... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I think the word I'm looking for is, like, kind of tight-knit. Like, you see people, you recognize them, and it's it's great in that way. Um, 
But yeah, so it was a very big culture shock, kind of, when I went to an invitational for the first time, and I'm just like, huh, that's so weird. Judges from other states prefer different things than, like, you know, judges from my state, and, like, vice versa. So, yeah. Oh, that's so interesting, because you said that New York, like, everyone kind of knows each other, but you assume with such a big state that maybe it wouldn't be like that. And I kind of wonder, like, how that happened, I guess. Yeah, I'm not quite sure. I think the way that the districts, or, or like the leagues, I, I know about the leagues way more than the actual division. Um, I think they are in and of themselves quite like exclusive to themselves. Um, again, I could be wrong. I'm no total expert, but I think it's more like because it's based on borough, that definitely makes a huge difference. And it's like a little strange because I feel like in my district, it's like Manhattan and upstate and then other leagues they like combine two or three boroughs um and yeah i think <laughs> i think we are like quite big like of course there are many speech and debaters in the state um but i think the main difference kind of lies in like i don't know too much about other states but i think it would be like kind of the profile of the kinds of tournaments we get in the northeast should i speak so like Obviously, there's like, you know, Harvard and stuff, but then there are certain things that people in New York have never heard of. And then I remember this one time somebody else on the circuit who I had met was like, you've never heard of Glenbrooks? I'm like, what is a Glenbrooks? Um, so I think that makes a difference. But I also think I've personally gotten very closely tied to other ex-tempers because of my coach, because he works so hard for like the Brooklyn Debate League that he tends to like connect me to like other captains, other competitors. And he's very much so stressed. He's like, be friends with these people. You know, like th this is, it's a good thing. Like be friends, don't like, y you know, I, there's like not much animosity, which is great. Like just at Princeton, um, <laughs> one, of, one of my friends from Regis, uh, Lucas, I was cross-firing him and it was very, it was a lot of fun. And it was very nice knowing that we were like, we knew each other and it was all in like good fun so yeah i mean yeah i definitely enjoy cross-sexing people i know and i'm friends with rather than i guess treating you people like they're your enemies like in debate so i think it's nice to have a friendly face sometimes especially in high pressure situations like that yeah and i, th I think like the no cross-sex on a baseline is also very nice for me um i think uh yeah, my first cross-sex came as a total surprise. It was New York Invitational this year, um, and I was freaking out. I'm like, what? Like, I, I don't think I read the live doc properly, because I'm like, there's a cross-sex. And I, I will admittedly say that it was, like, a little bit shaky. It was not the best. I think I did better at Princeton, at least I hope. Um, but it was a very teachable experience. That was another culture shock. It's like, yeah. Mm, so there's, like, this debate... That's like you should have cross-sex at like every single round or at least every final of a local or national tournament. Are you more on the side of keeping it for the bigger tournaments or making it for everybody? Uh, yeah, I, I think it's good that um, it's kind of reserved for the bigger stuff. <laughs> Absolutely. I, <laughs> yeah, I no no cross-sex for me. Sorry. <laughs> On the topic of your league, we were also wondering how many competitors there typically are at Stuyvesant High School, and has your extent team been growing in the last couple of years? Definitely, I think. It, absolutely. So like I said, we had like, I don't know, six or eight people when we started, 
um, close-knit team in terms of, I think, like, ranks and numbers, like, needed work. And my friend Unique and I, who's probably going to listen to this, so hi, Unique. Um, <laughs> but my friend Unique and I, my best friend Unique and I, we both wound up on Exim together. And we both loved it so much that I think we went very ham with advertising it to other students, especially when we became like juniors. So we went from like eight to 20 people and then from 20 to like 40. And this year we're like at 60 plus and it's been crazy. It's, I don't think XNEMP has ever been this big at my school and it's been an adjustment for sure. Like I've been asking like more popular teams like parliamentary, like, hello, what are you doing with all these children? Um, but it has definitely been growing. And something unique about my team as a result um, is that it's very like freshman heavy. So we have like maybe eight seniors, I think two or three joined like sophomore year. Hello, Kai. Hello, Justin. Um, but with that limited number of people, we've really had to think about how we teach it to novices. Like how do we let them experience the best of it with such limited resources? So that's been another teaching experience. But absolutely, it's gotten so much bigger um, over time. And I'm really happy about that. It's a lot more fun, you know, the more the merrier. So is the team culture, like, very supportive, I would say? Team culture for XTEP, extremely strong. Like, I have, you know, I've been to, like, other team practices and stuff, like, you know, for other events, and I've heard things. And I think our team has such a particularly strong bond uh the way once again my best friend unique and i we describe it it's just like we went through the trenches you know we were in the dark ages we we were freshmen we had no coach we didn't know what like a what a transition was what what on earth is an agd you know and i think by improving together that really got us to be closer and I think when freshmen see, like, their officers and, like, their upperclassmen have such a, like, tight bond with each other, it's kind of like they're following, which is really great, I think. Yeah, I think that's a fantastic legacy that you've left on your team, especially as starting off in an extent where there isn't many competitors and then making it that large and also encouraging others to do the same. I feel like that's very impressive, especially inside the New York circuit. Thank you. Um, so obviously recently you've had an excellent performance at the Bronx tournament. We were wondering what you thought of your performance and anything that you wanted to say about the tournament in general. Oh boy, that was shocking to me. I still don't understand. Like I, I still feel like I'm a freshman getting the worst ranks on my team, you know? Um, something about New York Invitational this year, which I participated in it last year, of course. It's like the one tournament I don't have to like sit in a bus for six hours for, um, something about it last year was I did break I definitely did not get to finals um and it just felt very different it felt like I was this kind of like little extemper still getting used to the circuit um and just kind of like watching and observing and taking notes so this year took me totally by surprise I was I'm not gonna lie when I was on that stage and they were like slowly going like sixth place fifth place fourth place I kept expecting my school's name to come up and they'll be like, oh, you're like fourth, you know? And I have to say, when I learned that I was going to be first, my mind blanked, like totally. I have, I don't know what that response was, but it was so surprising to me that I just blanked and I'm like, oh, this is happening. And I felt kind of like a robot, like getting my trophy, like, oh my God. But I think what brought me back was like, um, so my mom was there and 
you know, she's very, she's a very busy, like, girl boss. Like, I love her so much. Uh, so she doesn't have too much time to come to tournaments. So when she does come, it's a blast. And when I got off the stage, I was, like, blanked out. And <laughs> I, I was like, there's no way this is happening. And, like, my teammates are, like, screaming. The thing that brought me back was when my mom, she was, like, crying. And she gave me this huge hug, like, in the middle of the auditorium. One of my teammates took a picture, and every time I show it to her, she's like, don't show that to me. I don't want to- I look like I have wrinkles, you know? <laughs> yeah, it was very- it was a great moment, and it, it kind of- it, it, it kind of- I don't know what it did to my brain chemistry. It was kind of a moment of like, okay, where do I go from here? Because for me, at some point, it was totally out of the question to even, like, qualify for state championships, right? And then- New York Invitational happened, and then Princeton happened, and I'm like, what the heck is going on? I'm still in a state of denial. I <laughs> Very much so. Um, but yeah, New York Invitational was a lot of fun, in my opinion, and I think Princeton was also especially fun. Uh, one of my teammates got to finals for the first time, Hello Kai, and I was so very happy. It, it, it was a very successful tournament for like my whole team and it was like very reassuring i'm just like wow this there's gonna be a future here like when i'm gone and it's it was really great heartwarming tournament loved it every second of it that's so nice that everyone was there to support you uh i was wondering if you could give us maybe a behind the scenes look at how the tournament was maybe how the rounds were what type of questions you got how walking into that final round felt things like that absolutely let me actually pull up my tab room really quick so i have like that yeah that like memory jog of what i actually did and said it's like extemp amnesia uh for real i cannot remember like anything even if it was just a moment before my (laughs) mind is just like blank after the round it's a i i say this in the best way possible it's like a very traumatizing category like yeah you know when like yeah, when people are like, what do you do? And I'm like, oh, extemp. And then the light in their eyes dies a little bit. They're like, oh. So. Yeah. Yeah, like, poor you. Um, all right, I'm looking at kind of like my tab rounds. And I would like to say that my first speech was like, uh, in my opinion, it was not my best. I timed at 6.44. And in hindsight, I'm like, why did I get a one? Um, yeah, I think the thing I remember most is definitely the crossfire like once again that was just so oh and the prep room okay so we prepped in like this lab kind of room and i distinctly remember it because last year during some local or it might have even been the invitational they had these like pieces of tape on the table for whatever like science project and they told us during the tournament. Yeah, I, I think it was. Yeah. I remember last year I saw it. I was like, what is going on here, basically? Yeah, yeah, the, the the tape of death. It was like, you touch that tape, you're disqualified. And I'm like, what? And so I returned to that. Yeah. So this year when I returned to that room, I'm just like, oh my God. And I don't know if it was like, it, it's crazy because it was a whole year ago. But when I was in that room, I remember like not wanting to touch the table all that much, <laughs> even though the tape was totally gone. That was that was great and I also remember before the crossfire I like panic called my coach I'm just like there's cross x at this tournament and then he's like it's okay you know it was just a, a little bit of damage control yeah it was so I have a question and it's actually related to yes. the tournament itself so I know last year when I went there was like this huge potluck there was like a bunch of food are they still doing that like with all the platters of food because I know the students would make it and everything 
Yes, yes, yes. So a big shout out to Bronx Science, by the way. So for context, like Stuyvesant is a specialized high school. So you take like the SHSAT to get in. And Bronx Science is also an SHSAT school. So we're usually like rivals, you know, people are just like, um, but huge, huge shout out to them. First off, they have like the nicest people. Like I have met so many people and I think Bronx Science extempers are just the sweetest people on the planet. Um, and the other thing is, I know that their advisor, I forget her name, it's not just the invitational, it's like, I think locals as well, they try to have everybody bring in a food item. And obviously it's Bronx Science, so very diverse families, diverse food, so it's just like, free food! And it's amazing, and it's great, and it's, I don't think anybody really does it like Bronx Science. And the variety was just insane. Like, they had falafel, I think. Oh um, they had um, fried rice. They had chow mein. They would even have, like, scallion yes. cakes. And it was like they were... It was like I was getting so much food. And I would pay, like, you know, the same amount of money for, like, a local tournament. And we'd be lucky to even get water. But here, all the way in New York, we were getting, like, you know, delicious food. Yeah. Like, snacks. It was just perfect. I was so... Oh, it was so delicious absolutely and it was like so cool to me that they kept switching the food too it's like you went in at one point and then you'd go in a couple hours later and it's just completely new spread and i'm like who organized this <laughs> next year i'm making sure shrewsbury goes because if there's food shrewsbury's got to show up D dig in you know it's you know like normally chips are like what i'm exaggerating like five dollars a bag or whatever it's just like you're starving you're hungry pay you know so it, it was a really nice it, it I think it's a really big testament to their like hospitality too and also just like the vibe of the team no I found that really interesting because a lot of tournaments these days have like some niche aspect to it for example some of my teammates went to GMU last weekend and they had the idea of rolling down the names which used to be a really big thing in extent is what my head coach told me but nowadays with all the tab room blasts like I felt like that was a unique experience for them and yeah it's really cool about Bronx that they do that food thing yeah, come to think of it, I think I've only experienced that at, like, NCFL breaks. Like, actually reading out, like, codes and stuff. Yeah, everything is automated. Which, it, I think it's, yeah. I think it's unique to also have been a freshman during COVID, because I have little to no glimpse as to what team culture and stuff was like before that. So... It's it, sometimes the coach is like, oh yeah, we wheeled in our magazines on like this little wheelie cart to do X temp, and I'm just like, that's archaic. Like, me and Google, we're, yeah, yeah. different time. Um, do you think you could let us know about what are your favorite rounds, or maybe some interesting like topics or questions you drew at Bronx? Yeah, for sure. Um, this time around, it was. I'm hoping I'm thinking. Yeah, I'm thinking of Bronx right now. So. <laughs> The last prelim of the day was so funky. Nothing political. Like, I got the question, should zoos exist? I know one of my friends got a question that was like, will Taylor Swift change, like, voting demographics in 2024 or something? And it was also interesting because there were students from Bronxi actually coordinating the prep room, which was pretty awesome. And I, I'm not sure. I think they wrote the questions, too. But it was just this huge throw-off. Like, it felt a little bit like a weed-out, but also, like, a lot of fun if that makes sense i remember when our speeches were over like all my teammates and i looked at each other we're like what was that like what 
it was that was the wackiest round i think i've ever gotten like hypotheticals aside everything aside that round was it was and and they misled us they were like oh it's like culture technology etc so you would think like okay i don't know spacex like meta and then they throw should zoos exist it was (laughs) it was hilarious yeah for sure bronx definitely has its quirks but i think that's what makes it so special but moving on to your second tournament that you won, Princeton, how was that like for you? I mean, apart from just, you know, doing it back to back, how was the campus like, the rounds, questions, just the general vibe, I guess? All right. So first off, um, I felt like a peasant walking into the campus. I walked in and I'm just like, yeah, I don't. Yeah, th- th- I don't. it was like foggy and misty, but that made it look all the more magical. My dad is like, he calls it Hogwarts. He calls Princeton Hogwarts. And because he's seen it in person a lot. And I, I've only really visited once before this. And then when I was walking around the campus and I'm like, yeah. Um, I remember on our way back, I think, I remember if it was Saturday or Sunday, it was like starting to get dark. And the sky was just pink. It was like purple and pink. And this like little girl inside me was just like, oh my God, this is so magical. Um, so aesthetic or die is what i say and princeton nailed it there um oh my goodness as for the questions i honestly didn't feel like the questions were too out of the ordinary there wasn't really a standout thing it was just like very like classic to the point you know it's just like stuff you'd practice with which i actually did appreciate it was um it was definitely different from having to answer the question do zoos exist um but it was yeah i think it was beneficial to kind of have that predictability on the other hand my team and i we had so much fun um i'm gonna bring up unique again because so first off she's our jv director and second she's like i feel like she's kind of the glue to like our entire extent friend group and this weekend she had a quote gift for the dudes on her team which involved colored eyeliner and bubbled face masks I will leave it there, <laughs> but she kind of has something planned for every invitational, and this time it was like a double whammy. It was just like, okay, they're doing makeup, which they typically don't do, and it was very like hot pink and everything, and it was it was a new experience for them, and it was a yes, yes, it was so much fun. Um, unfortunately, I got very sleepy on prelims day, so the second I got back to the hotel, it was just like, like I was completely knocked out it was (laughs) a little different from i think past invitationals where i would have like the energy to kind of maybe sleep at 11 or something i don't know what was different about this time around maybe it was my new heels i don't know i was suffering a little bit like just a little bit but so since princeton's in you know not new york did you like guys travel by car bus how does it work with the team situation Right, so I gotta preface this by saying the Stuyvesant Speech and Debate team is pretty huge. Like, you know, we have like 900 people per graduating class, and I think oh 200 God. of them are in speech and debate oh in some God. form. That's crazy. It oh is, my God. it's gigantic. Yeah, and like for once in like, I think history, it's like, you know, XF is one of the more popular events, which is, it's wild. Mm-hmm. So the problem that presents is funding. 
We are specialized, but we are also at the end of the day like a public school. We are under the Department of Education. So that kind of limits what we can do, funding, etc. I have a story from Yale this year, which I didn't go to because New York was flooding so badly. We were like in the lobby for like three hours. I heard you guys. It was like impossible to travel. Wow. Yeah, well, not impossible. Like, I know Regis went, and then I asked um, I asked one of my friends from there about it after, and he was like, oh, yeah, our coach said even if we're swimming, we're going to Gale. Oh, and I'm like, okay. okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. We were, but we were, as a public school, like, bound by the DOE's, like, emergency situation and stuff like that. And also, all of our chaperones and, like, you know, uh, my coach... Like, they all got stuck in the subway system on the way there. So that was, that was something. Um, But yeah, when it comes to traveling, we usually take bus. Um, I remember last year, because CFLs were in Kentucky, we took like a 10 to 12 hour bus ride there, which was the longest stretch of traveling in my life on wheels. Wild. Um, So we traveled by bus for this one too. And it, we (laughs) were very loyal to this one bus company, which kudos to them. They always... Like, they stick around, they help us out and stuff. So that was great. But, yeah, it wasn't too long. That's good. I mean, I've gone on, like, flights that have gotten held back, like, so many hours. I think for Yale, um, I arrived the morning of at 3 a.m. And, like, we landed in the New Jersey, like, Newark. Newark? I can't pronounce it properly. The airport? And then we still had yeah. to drive. We still had to drive three hours to Ooh. the place. So, you know, maybe a bus isn't too bad sometimes, but... Living in Arizona is kind of yeah. not an option for a lot of nationalists. <laughs> but yeah. Oh man. Yeah. It. You know. Now I feel a little grateful that all like the IVs are in the Northeast. Uh, not all, but most. <laughs> I've never, I've never taken a flight to a tournament before. I believe I'm going to this January, so that's going to be a first for me. Um, if it works out, inshallah. By the way, I'm Muslim, so I. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but. Yeah, that's. I can't imagine. That sounds so tiring. <laughs> so you mentioned NCFLs, and I was just wondering how often you travel on the NAT circuit. Like, what type of major tournaments do your team or you usually hit? Gotcha. So it depends year by year. Um, I think the funding situation is very volatile. We basically run entirely on like you know parent donors, which shout out to them and like our alumni association. They're amazing about everything uh but it does limit kind of what we could go to so i can look to like other schools in the city oh actually i should lead with this i should lead with the fact that my team has a very strict policy of if someone can't go for financial reasons like they can't afford like you know the 400 dollars or 600 or whatever it is it usually isn't over 300 you know if my advisor can help it shineman uh but we have a policy of like if one person has to stay home because we can't cover costs for them and they can't afford it, then nobody goes. It's like this huge thing, because again, we're a public school, mm-hmm. like people from all sorts of different backgrounds. So I really appreciate that rule personally because um, thankfully I'm in like, you know, I, I could usually pay for these things. Um, shout out to my mom <laughs> every time <laughs> every time yeah she's always like you're always giving me like a run for my life with your um, speech obsession but <laughs> but i think because of that that also is a limiting factor and it's a limiting factor i am happy to have because it keeps things fair 
but it does mean we don't get to go to as many invitationals as perhaps like private schools would so what we usually like to go to like our top priorities like yale harvard state championships and like you know cfl nationals Mm -hmm. because the interesting thing is the nsda circuit it's not so dense in new york the catholic forensics league circuit is very it's a lot more widespread so more people from new york go to cfls i think than nsda's which is interesting um so that being said those are like the main ones we try to hit but some years we're lucky like uh last year we went to upenn i think that's on the schedule again um and as of now yeah it's it's going okay it's going okay but i i still really appreciate that policy i I really respect my advisor for it i think that's great i mean just hearing what you talk about your coach with the brooklyn debate league and this policy it seems like your team is very committed to equity which is you know i think should be more more of a priority for more teams considering just how elitist and you know exclusionary speech and debate especially extem can be so i think that's really cool that your school champions that a lot yeah absolutely like i kept hearing it from adults and then when i started to go to invitationals i kind of started to see like this kind of economic inequality and so now i'm also very like personally invested in like kind of bridging that gap because it shows up in all these different ways like from it's not just like tournament fees and stuff like that and like what school you go to like what zone school you go to it's also about like you know speaking style like conventions i i remember that i think that oratory from nsda's last year uh where the person showed up without a suit on in like casual clothing like it explained it best it was like all this inequality comes out in very unique ways that i think people who are more privileged don't see all the time so i think that's also been a formative thing about my experience uh to kind of take into account all those different backgrounds and of course the thing of like you know we all try to cover for each other you know in in the event like that something is difficult for someone or like our alumni association is so great our alumni association also really supports that mission and it's i think it's something very unique about my yeah that's phenomenal it's really nice to hear the team culture and just the state culture as a whole especially the impact that your coach in particular has had on the district and the state and i'm certain that that impact will definitely stay here for many years to come and the impact that you guys are creating on your circuit is just as impressive um you started to mention the economic barrier and i thought that was a good segue into one of the other topics we wanted to discuss so nowadays, extem camps often cost money and other resources. So we were wondering what you thought about extem camps in general, and do you think that they are helpful, or have you attended any in the past? Got it. So I am—I've never attended a single paid camp or anything like that. All of my training happens with my coach, who's generous enough to like train us, um, and he does it out of like basically the joy of doing it, which is—it's. Uh, angel angel energy but um i've never been to one of those camps i have attended like a free brooklyn debate league camp online because it was recommended to me and i was like starting oratory so you know tika was like why don't you start your oratory here and i'm like that sounds great it was two weeks online and the thing that was really striking to me is that there are all these kids who perhaps cannot afford to like you know pay for invitationals on their own and stuff like that and they were all there in the camp getting coached by like former national champions i 
I think it's a testament to Dico's character as well that he's made all these like friendships and speech and debate and that he uses that to better the speech and debate community like I've always really respected that yeah but it it was just very striking to me and the other thing that the BDL does that I find really great is like it funds debaters like it has raised like thousands to like send debaters to like UPenn and like even state championships so it's like creating these opportunities for people and I think that's very important I think one of the things that he tells me is like one of the best ways to improve is by having tough competition and I think there is a huge paywall to that like I remember when I first started to you know kind of hear about actual logistics for going to tournaments I think more in my junior year than anything um, and how much fees cost and how much hotels cost versus how much my advisor asked each of us to pay it was like shocking to me I'm like this is so expensive like how are we subsidizing this and I think that I think that it's important to kind of have the will to keep that mission going because there are definitely times where it's very difficult to send like you know 60 people to an invitational and like you know maybe some of them can't afford it you know we're we're a public school you know we have very strict rules as to who is and who isn't a chaperone um but we do it every time anyway so i think that's powerful and i think that like my advisor she's been she's the one who founded the team at my school um a couple decades ago and from the very beginning that's been like her mission it's it's just something that makes my team so good so very good yeah clearly i mean you've been doing amazing um without any camps or anything like that so it's nice to see um you know such a nice infrastructure in place as well yeah I think a lot of it is, you know, training with my own coach, and a lot of it is just, like, passion. Like, I walked into Stai, this is, this is really embarrassing, I, like, didn't really know where Russia was, like, just for context, you know, (laughs) and now I want to, like, you know, maybe major in something, like, government or political science related, and it's just this huge shift, so... Yeah, I, I think it's, it is about training, but it's also about, like, instilling that passion and spirit that I think has really affected me. And I have been told by my coach that it's, like, I feel, I'm not trying to, like, be braggy or anything. I'm saying this because it shocked me so much, and it was also, like, you know, I almost started crying, like, hearing it. But it was, like, you know, my, how I've been doing on the circuit is kind of, like, a new high for our team in a long time. And it's not just me, it's like my teammates from my year, you know, like, you know, shout out to all of them. They're all like officers now, we all work together and we hang out, but it's, we collectively are like setting a new bar. And I think that's purely coming from the passion of like training. Like, you know, if our coach isn't available because, you know, he's running a whole league, um, we practice with each other. We have very solid infrastructure in place to always practice with each other. Um, yeah and the other thing is when I get so I think initially when I started like you know kind of doing well starting to get like those trophies those medals it it felt very good but I think what makes me feel even better like I'm comparing the moment like I got the trophy compared to like this moment um, is like moments where I feel like I'm making an impact because at the end of the day I'm like I'm a Muslim girl on the team that used to be very um you know it wasn't always the most diverse and my coach 
told me, he was like, have you noticed that after becoming captain, there are so many hijabis on this team? And I'm just like, oh my god. Like, I didn't, I didn't really realize that. I didn't make the connection that it could have been because of me. But now that I kind of feel that, I think that is what I want to channel my pride into. Like, I'm very proud of my achievements. I think I've worked for them, and I want to work even harder. I think I still have a long ways to go in certain regards. But that kind of feeling when one of my freshmen does well, or like one of my sophomores who like wasn't feeling so great about their speeches, like breaks out a tournament, or like, you know, like those little moments for improvement, I found that those fulfill me more. That was a little bit of a tangent, but yeah, I I mean it, like every word of it. That is so sweet. I love that so much. I mean, I think I relate with that too, like, especially just as like, you know, you know, a brown person as a woman, it's kind of like a huge shift to see it happening in extent. You look back like 10, 15 years and all the champions were like a very specific type of person. But now like some of the most successful extempers are POC or women. Yeah. It's, it's very refreshing to see that change. And for other extempers to be sharing their expertise and champion the diversity within their team like you, that's great. That's exactly the type of change we need in yeah. an environment like speech and debate for sure i think even watching you at finals last year was like i'm like oh my god and like my coach like kind of was like notice how most of these finalists are like you know they're female or like female presenting and i'm like because before before like yale my only experience was watching nsda videos like that was Mm -hmm. the max i interacted with national circuit and it was so different you know not to discredit anybody i think that everybody who ends up on that final stage is extremely extremely talented i think it it's kind of more like more poc are breaking into the event in the first place which is interesting to me yeah yeah definitely so speaking of growing better and overcoming obstacles what do you think is your biggest challenge in extemp and how are you working to overcome it hmm well i have to think about that one um biggest yeah, challenge bit of a big in, one <laughs> yeah yeah i have to think for a moment um i think a while ago um one of the biggies was just like i think being i think personal style that was a very big one for a long time and i think i'm now starting to kind of get the hang of it uh because i had this very reporter voice and then one day i don't remember when it happened i was practicing with one of my friends. I think it was actually unique again. Hi, unique. Um, I want to say hi every time, just because. But um, we were doing a speech, and I think I was very tired, so I was like just doing it to get like the practice in to like exercise my brain and whatnot. And I was just so tired that I'm like, you know what? I'm not gonna plan transitions or anything. I'm just gonna like have fun with it. And it ended up being kind of like dark humor e, which worked so well for me. I, it was very shocking. So I think now that might still be one of my biggest things where I'm trying to sound more and more like myself. I'm very pleased with um, my elibs at Princeton because I think that's where I tried bringing it out the most. And I guess it paid off, but more than anything, I was like proud of those speeches. Like, for example, I remember one of my hooks was just like, <laughs> it was like if the US and China were in a relation, like, okay, if the US and China are in a marriage then there are, then it's a lot like my parents uh headed for divorce um <laughs> which that's 
yeah it, it was like laughter across the room and then my teammates who kind of like know me better and know like you know my parents are divorced they were just like oh but it, it worked for me <laughs> it was a lot of fun that's funny yeah and i guess it's nice to show your personality for sure yeah and i guess like deeper content like i'm taking a geopolitics course which is really helping with that it's just like really getting to the root of some of the issues we face in XDEMP. Which, by the way, I think XDEMP is the most public speaky category there is. Like the one that most simulates how you would actually public speak because you don't always have time to prepare. And it's like content and like how you present yourself are like, you know, they're both weighed in. Um, but that's like a, that's a side rant. But I think content for specific continents. Just for context, I'm like a US extemper, okay, all the way. Like, I haven't, we couldn't go to NSDAs last year because of certain funding issues and also, like, you know, some other barriers. But I was gonna do US extemp, and I stand by that. Um, my teammates are like, are, why aren't you doing international? You know, like, international better. I, international questions. <laughs> that's, that's what gets me. Um, so I've been trying to, like, actually read more. I'm like, what did these old school extempers do? And my coach has been very helpful in that, um, and it's been working. Like, I've been reading The Power of Crisis by Ian Bremmer, and I think that's a book that I've been citing, or at least thinking about a lot when I prep international questions. So still getting there, still need to read more, um, still trying to not be like the stereotypical Gen Zer who doesn't read, but <laughs> yeah. No, that's really interesting experience. Uh, Especially because, like, in today's extemp scene, a lot of people are getting their news through different sources, such as primarily YouTube, even just, like, online reading articles. But really going back to the books and the basics is something that I've also enjoyed to do inside the past. Now, this is a classic extemp question that we ask on the Extemporist Bible, but what's one source that you think every extemper should be reading? One source? Yeah. I, hmm interesting all right i think i have two answers um the first is one i've already mentioned the power of crisis by ian bremmer because everything is in there like everything it's not just like this is happening in this country this is what's happening in this party it kind of goes issue by issue on the greatest problems of like the modern day and like connects different sub issues within those issues together like there's a whole thing just on climate change and then there's a whole thing just on like the pandemic and then there's a whole thing about like a changing world order and within all of those things there's just so many subcategories so i would recommend that one for everybody um i know ian bremer is also like a renowned political scientist but i didn't know that when i like got the book it just looked interesting to me so i highly recommend um i would also say for anybody in general i think economist subscriptions are a great investment they're a very expensive investment um going back to that paywall in xdemp a little bit um i do have like a coach who's like generous enough to like you know it's his subscription and like he lets us use it which i'm so grateful for because it feels like those articles are designed to be written extemp speeches you know and like all the topics go into such far depth death oh my goodness such far death not death <laughs> but yeah economist accounts all the way like whenever i need a good brain squeeze i read one of those and it's like oh yeah this feels so elitist but it feels so good you know <laughs> absolutely i know what you mean 
on that note i found the book very interesting because i definitely have to look into it and regarding the economist that was one of the first subscriptions that my school ever had and while it has expanded in the past recently the economist is still an excellent source that i also tend to use often inside my speeches so i find that very interesting as well for sure it's like i feel like if i read a couple economist articles and just kind of note whether it's in my head or like you know just jog it in the memory somewhere it's like if i can remember the economist article mid-round that's like the best thing for me they're not easy articles to read i would say like you can't really like you know read one in the middle of prep and then use it like it's very long it's very you know it's accessible but it's still a little dense but i feel like there are certain economist articles that i keep using over and over like there's this one about um how china is like you know competing with the united states for the global south and it very specifically has this study about the effects of ccp propaganda on like different communities in latin america and it's just so interesting and i do cite that one and it's also a nice little easter egg because if i'm at an invitational then like that study was conducted by a bunch of different ivy league institutions so it's like a nice little like easter egg yeah that's nice Um, another thing we wanted to ask is about practice routines. So, how many speeches a week do you give, or how many hours do you read? What's the split, basically, between talking and then, I would say, reading? Got it. So, I'm gonna be honest, I think me and also, like, my teammates, we have a system where we kind of cram the reading. So, it's like, if there's a tournament coming up, we get together, like, the day before, night before, this is also organized by, once again, Unique. I, I would like fall apart without her, but she calls it like a dump dock. And those are docks where we all get together and we just read and then we dump sources onto that dock. And then she locks access so nobody can, you know, touch it, edit it when the tournament starts. But it's like, because we have read all of that and we have like that kind of stimulus in our brains so recently before the tournament, I think that really benefits us. So. That's what I do most of my reading. I will also say that I listen to podcasts uh, when I can. NPR News First is like a nice easy one that I just like pop in on my subway commute. Um, When it comes to actual practice sessions, I think my rule of thumb is twice a week. Uh, Maybe not every week, depends on how heavy the season is, but usually before big tournaments and invitationals, it's like twice a week every week. And we kind of hold everybody going to that same standard. So... That would be my goal. And I'm actually trying to go even more ham now because uh, the dreaded college applications have been handed in. So let's see what happens. Um, But yeah, which also reminds me at States last year, it was very, very sad. It was like the day before like two AP exams and between rounds, you could see people sleeping in their suits and they would have like AP prep books open in front of them. And it was like the saddest thing I've, yeah, it was very. Oh my God. Yeah, I did that last year. I don't know for some reason why, but I decided to go to a tournament in the weekend between my APs, and I had the two like my two like hardest classes. I had Spanish Mm. and biology, and I was there. And then I'd be like, after the round was over, I'd open up, start reading, and my eyes would just glaze over. I didn't know. (laughs) It's like you've already squeezed your brain so much. Oh my god, it was so very sad. It's like it would, yeah, like people's codes would get called up and then some poor kid would like wake up with like lines on his face from like sleeping on the table and it's just like 
Oh, present. I'm like, you poor oh child. I hope I hope their APs went well. They, they seem dedicated. <laughs> I hope so, too. I was personally cramming AP US history, which was... It was fitting because it was X'd out, but it was painful. Yeah. Painful yeah. experience. Yeah. Yeah. Now that we've talked about kind of what goes on behind the scenes of XTEM, let's talk about some of the things that happens within round. So, for example, what do you think your time split is? Because I know a lot of people have talked about how their time split between actually researching and then practicing a speech varies a lot. So I was wondering that about you and also any prep strategies or life hacks that you might have that might have made life easier in general. Gotcha. So I can think of two things. The first being the actual time split. I think I aim for a perfect 15-15 every time. Sometimes it turns, you know, 16-14. I remember last year there was a lot of like 18-12, which was like, ugh. But I have this like rule of thumb where it's like the second the timer hits 15, I have to like at all costs wrap up all my writing and just get up and start doing stuff. And then if I find like the source isn't really working out, then I'll like cram it last minute. But I think that's really important for me because I feel like the things that happen in my head don't always come across the way I want them to. So I've noticed that I need that like extra time. So 1515, classic, that's my goal. Um, I used to really like the 1812, but then at some point in the national circuit, I realized it wasn't working out so well for me. The other thing is, <laughs> so I've gotten comments on this, that my prep pads look very unconventional. So normally I think most XEPers are like bullet points or like ABC, you know, like up and down the page, question at the top, maybe use different colored pens. One second, I have to sneeze. It did not come out. Okay. Um, I don't really use those. I used to, but then I was... It, I think around the same time I realized I wanted to develop personal style. I was like, you know, I feel, it feels like I'm fighting my own brain to use the structure of bullet points. And I like things very visual. So I started using boxes instead. And I think that that has made all the difference. Like, all my intro sources in one box on the top left. And then, you know, point one, top right, all those sources in a box, etc., etc., that does that does a couple of things. First off, if I need to reorder my points, like I feel like that's the biggest point of panic for any extemper if you have to like reorganize your points cuz something changed. It's really easy because then what I can do is I can just change the number on each box and then memorize it in like a different order. So like it's not like clockwise anymore. I'll just go like cross cross. I think being able to see it in my head that way has made such a big difference to like how I remember it. Um and I think be seeing the speech in like chunks like that, it means that the second I remember what happened first in a given point, everything else is just like, okay, it's like muscle memory. Now I, I can see the entire box in my head. And also using different colored pens. I saw one of my teammates do that and I'm like, that's so smart. Like, isn't red ink like better for your brain or whatever? So I started doing that and that's been helpful too. That sounds great. It's nice to know that even those little things can make life easier because, you know, stump is difficult as it is already now. Yeah, yeah, it, pers personal style, you know, like everything that works for your brain, just do what works for your brain. So looking forward to the rest of the season, what's the next big tournament you're going to? Are there any upcoming in January, February, mm -hmm. invitationals perhaps? So this is kind of exciting, and I just told my team yesterday, and I thought I was going to faint when I got the email, but I have been invited to Montgomery Bell. Woohoo! I- that was- Woohoo! <laughs> woo 
mm-hmm. I, it was totally out of the question for me. Like, I, I never brought it up to people. Like, you know, you know how you talk about like, oh, there's Yale, there's Harvard, there's UPenn. And the Montgomery Bell I never really brought up because I'm just like, oh yeah, the chances of like us going to that are just so far away. And then I got an invitation and I'm like, I thought I was still asleep, still dreaming and stuff <laughs> like that. So, oh, so sweet. Yeah, a little bit of imposter syndrome, you know, because I, I still, deep down, I think I still feel like that freshman who, like, ranked last every tournament, but it's it's exciting. So hopefully, pending certain logistics, um, I wind up going to that. Um, and I think UPenn is on the list, along with Harvard. This is all pending. I'm not trying to, like, jinx anything because, you know, <laughs> public school, you, you know, you never yeah. know. We got we got rained out of Yale, you know, like anything can yeah. happen. But uh, inshallah, that's that's what I hope to be doing. How are you feeling about MBA? Oh, my God. I'm going to be honest. I didn't know what it was before the summer. <laughs> um, but part of, um, like, following the Extempers Bible has been, like, learning about all the different tournaments on the circuit. Like, I'm just like, oh, that's how, like, you know, people seek Glenbrooks, and that's, and then I'm like, what is Montgomery Bell? Like, why is that up there with NSDA? Um, and then I, I found out it was, like, invitation only, and I'm like, that's crazy. So, feeling a little imposter syndrome, for sure. Happens feeling motivated. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, feeling motivated, though. I, I kind of want to go harder on practice and stuff. So it's it's mostly like surreal like at this point whatever happens next for me i think i'm very happy with the progress i've made so far like i never thought i would even get to this point let alone like nba you know like that's that's crazy for me and i think from my school too it's also just like you know stuyvesant it's a name you can see on the circuit i think more in debate and then when it comes to speech actually it's not just extemp it's like our whole speech team has been kind of like getting stronger in my four years of high school which is cool but yeah still i've been surreal. seeing your school your school pop up a lot like whether it's like you know winning or like sweepstakes it's like starting to get name recognition i feel like yeah it's it's super interesting to me that that didn't really used to be a thing before like i remember like for example my what was it my freshman year my sophomore year probably my captain went to like cfls and stuff and i was looking through tab room and it was like the same couple of schools and i'm just like that's wild oh my god you you have to understand my outrage when i learned what plano west was you know? <laughs> <laughs> like, i'm just like what is this school you know like scfl's last year i'm just like who and then i see all these names from that school i'm just like what do they put in their water and <laughs> it, yeah so it's been very surreal and i feel like a sense of pride for helping to do that it, it's not just me though it's we've had like debate recognition i think um for for a while now i think our novice pf team is doing especially excellent which is great i think they won harvard last year Ooh. um Ooh, nice that's good yeah it was, re- it was super cool um when it comes to speech i think we're getting stronger like i think princeton was like a great example of this where we had i think the vast majority of the people we sent broke or like you know got recognition in some way it was like a very successful tournament for our school and it was like wow and i think that's that's team spirit talking a lot of it like especially post covid yeah so one of the last questions we want to ask you is how would you change extemp or any specific rules in extemp 
You know, this is a very interesting time to ask because I just read about that proposal to allow nodes to next dump. <laughs> First off, that was wild to me. I think if there were anything I'd change about next step, I don't think it would necessarily be any event rules themselves. I think they're very like well chosen and I think they serve their purpose well. It's, it like squeezes your brain, but I think it's a good thing that it does. It like makes you stronger. I would say, hmm, can I do like a silly one? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, so I've noticed that all the top X numbers have amazing hair. Like, and <laughs> now I feel, because I have like hair that doesn't listen to me. Like I've been told it's majestic, but it never listens. So if I could change the pressure to have like perfect hair when I speak, because that is the key to my <laughs> skill, then probably that. <laughs> Yeah, it was, it was crazy. That's like, funny. I like that. Yeah, like, I remember, yeah, like, Kyle Letterer, I'm like, what is, like, there was so much <laughs> volume. I was, like, <laughs> shocked, baffled. And then, you know, obviously McKinley's hair was gorgeous. And there was Kevin Lee, who was just so cool. Which, by the way, my entire team is, like, a collective Kevin Lee fan club. I don't know when that oh, that's happened. that's great. Yeah, yeah, I don't... I should let him know. <laughs> if he's listening to this podcast, though. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know when it happened. I think somebody was like, oh, he looks super cool. And then I think my teammates talked to him, like, a couple times. But the magnum Aww. opus... <laughs> so I have this teammate, Alexi. He is also doing super well in the national circuit right now, I would say. And it's crazy because he joined as a junior. So it's like... But anyway, um, he took one look at Kevin Lee and he was, like, enamored, you know? And, Aww, yeah, cool. his magnum opus came at CFLs last year where he goes up to Kevin and he's like, wait! Because he knew it was, like, the last time he'd see him. He's like, wait! Can I take a picture with you? And they took, like, a bunch of Aww. pictures. Yeah. It was really... That's so funny! <laughs> yeah, it's just this, like, huge fan club. I don't know. It's like... Every time I say Kevin, and it's not even Kevin Lee, it's just, I just say Kevin in any context, because we once had a captain named Kevin. It's not just extemp. Like, now our overall speech captain, like, humorous guy is just like, oh, Kevin Lee? It's just like, <laughs> it's just his infatuation with him. It's really funny. That's so funny. I love that. He's gonna, I, I think he's definitely gonna be happy you said that. <laughs> <laughs> that, that picture meant a lot to my teammate. It's just, yeah, he's Aww, like a... That's sweet. Yeah, a legend. Yeah. Any advice for your freshman extemp self? Ooh, um, don't get discouraged. I think it's good that I got the bad ranks because they taught me how to get better ranks. And I think I would basically simulate what I tell my current freshman, which is like, I feel like there's this conception of just like, oh, I'm not at the level where I can practice more. It's just like, I'm not advanced enough to practice like three times a week because they feel like it's kind of barred by skill where, and I think freshman me might've felt similar at the start and then I overcame it and that's where like my biggest improvement came. So I would say like, that's the point of practice, like being very bad at practice. I have made terrible no-nos in my practice speeches and when my teammates do, like, sometimes, they're like, oh, man, that was terrible. I'm a horrible X-Sniper. I'm just like, no, no, no. Better here in this building than, like, Princeton, you know? So I, I think removing, like, the fear of practice, just, like, you could do a good job, but also, frankly, you could do a mad job. And either way is fine. 
because there's always going to be at least one great thing you did in all of it you know because it's like you're speaking like i at our kickoff meeting i tend to say this thing where it's just like I tend to ask like the audience like how many of you think you could speak for a couple minutes straight like no interruptions like like arguing something and the response is mixed and then I kind of do a little presentation and stuff and I'm like I think the purpose of XDEMP is to figure out what your voice can do it is not necessarily creating much new it might be teaching you things but I think that everyone has like a voice when they start and it's just a matter of like how do we get that voice to communicate in the most effective way so that's what i would tell myself i used to get very sad i was very close to quitting and i would just tell myself like you know it's better to stick to it and see improvement that's a very cliche basic answer but i really mean it like i would get so sad i'm just like i thought last or like my ranks were so bad i'm gonna quit the team um and in hindsight, I'm glad I got those ranks because that is where I started. And I st- because I still kind of feel like a bit of an imposter on the circuit, I'll be honest, and I feel that little freshman in me, It's a there's a lot of empathy for like freshmen who are very scared to try this very scary event. So um, short answer, just grind through the practice. If you do like not so great, like that's that's fine it's totally okay that's how we improve so yeah that's about it i think that's actually a perfect and honestly the most honest answer i've ever heard to that question many of those speeches that we give at practice aren't necessarily the best but they're definitely the most needed towards improvement and i feel like the fact that you've realized that and you you would give that to your freshman self is like an amazing step forward for many of the extempers on the circuit as a whole yeah uh, I was just going to say, if it weren't for my practice sessions, I would still be pronouncing it Reuters instead of Reuters. And I thank myself every day for doing that one practice session. So, yeah, that's all. Yeah, Erdogan instead of Erdogan. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Just those small things. On that note, what was like the best piece of advice you ever got? Hmm. It was less of a piece of advice and more of like an observation that my coach made. We were having a bit of, like, a heartfelt moment, like, in practice. And he's like, no, here's the thing. Like, did you know anything about this topic before you did the speech? And I admittedly was like, I'm like, no, nobody knows about the Finnish ascension to, accession to NATO off, like, the top of their head. You go, no. Um, but he said something to me that was just like, okay, great, because it didn't show. And he gave me the metaphor of being a ducky. Where it's like when you imagine a ducky, you imagine a, a bird just like gliding across the water. But underneath it's like, I know like it's, it's a podcast, but I'm like frantically like <laughs> flapping my hands around. Um, and I think that kind of like, I think that to me is what got to the core of what XDEMP is. Where if you're confident, you can sell it. And that's something I've been getting, I think, since my freshman year. And that's why it stood out to me as well. Or even when I was like pretty terrible at giving speeches, um, I had my captain always told me just like you know you do have this very naturally like calm, collected voice even when you're like I can see fear in your eyes. So uh, that was a pretty big moment to me. So it was less of a piece of advice, but more of like something that it, it made something about XTEM click even more for me. And then I started using it not just in speeches, but like 
in my life just like being great under pressure so yeah that's great well thank you ishal for joining us and thank you listeners for tuning in to today's extempers bible podcast if you're interested in more free extemp resources including weekly questions and content briefs written by some of the greatest extempers be sure to check out our website extempers.org and our instagram page at extempers bible